Lord, open my lips that my mouth may proclaim your praise in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. You might have noticed in the readings as kind of a theme of gardening, of uh, giving produce, of rain, of good soil, of growing things. Um, And so as I was preparing this, I was remembering a time when um, I don't think it was a work day, although I know many of you come out and help uh, to beautify the campus on those work days. We can see the work that's been going on, can't we? Because it positively shines around here. But there was one day, um, I think Bev and, and Bobby were there, and they were in the azalea gardens right to the right of the pathway to the office behind the, um, the parish hall kitchen. And, um, boy, they were pulling out vines like crazy. It was just a mess of weeds and vines. And it got to a point where they realized that so many of the azaleas had vines that had actually wrapped themselves around the root of the plants. And so I believe they were digging out the plants to unwrap the vines around the roots and then replant the azaleas. And they're doing beautifully now. But my goodness, what a labor of love that was um, to do that kind of work. And you'll see many on a on a work day going and pulling out the weeds and, and getting the ground prepared to give a good harvest. Uh, Joe does the same thing in our community vegetable garden. I know we plant in there. He plants in there. I think he's the main one who tends in there. And we get these amazing vegetables out of there. Um, Certainly more, I think, than we would normally expect from such a harvest. You know, 30, 60, 100 fold. So we're talking here about... Um, soil. Actually, we're looking at the parable that has been known as the parable of the sower, but probably more properly should be known as the parable of the four different soil types. Um, I I don't have a green thumb, um, uh, normally speaking. Um, I, my parents did. Uh, plants used to, I used to bring them into the house and they used to commit Harry Carry. I might as well die now as later um, because I just, I'd overwater or forget about them. And, and so, um, and I'd had a violet given to me, one of my mum's uh, favorite plants, and she had African violets on her windowsill in her kitchen and uh, she had told me back then and water from the bottom don't water from the top well with this uh, violet that I was given I'd forgotten her wisdom and had been watering it from the top well the leaves don't like that I now find out Um, and they get all moldy and die so um, but I thought well let me try again it's going to remind me of my mum so I got an African violet and um, and, and put it in a window in my kitchen and thought, well, you know, 
prayed over the, it and let me remember to the water the thing and let me remember to water it from the bottom instead of the top. And so on my day off on a Monday, that would be my reminder to do it. So it was good. I actually, and the thing started to grow. It's really the first plant that has ever grown in ever grown. And so as it started to grow, I started to talk to it because I thought, you know, you're so sweet to grow in my house. Nothing ever does. And you're so beautiful. And look how shiny your leaves are and how pretty your flower is. So as I'd water the thing, I'd talk to it and it just kind of grew gigantic. And uh, so big that, you know, I put it into a container and I can't get it out of the, you know, I can't get it out of where I put it in there. It's kind of in a cake stand. Anyway, um, and Katerina, our daughter, came by and she knew from, you know, all of our trips to see my mother when she was still living that Grandma liked violets. And so she said, Mommy, could you get a cutting for me? Oh, dear, above my pay grade. Um, I have no idea how to do this. I'm probably going to kill the entire plant if I attempt it. But anyway, I Googled it, and, um, and it said it's quite simple to take cuttings of African violets. You just pinch off the leaves, and you cut them at an angle and stick them into some dirt. So I went down to Home Depot. Little did I know that there's a choice to be made there as to what kind of soil you're supposed to put into the pots. So I picked up some clay pots because that's what the other one is doing well in and I cut off the the leaves and finally, you know, organic is the buzzword. So I bought organic potting soil, think that I must be okay with that and uh, put it into the clay pots, put saucers underneath it, uh, underneath them. and, And I've got this row of about six or seven leaves. There's one, and then watered them from the bottom. Um, There's one that pretty much immediately went like that. And I realized that there's no hole on the bottom of that particular clay pot, so it's not going to get any water. So anyway, I'll tell you how the project comes out. It's ongoing. I haven't seen any shoots yet, but we'll see. But this is what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about the different soils and how we tend the soil of our hearts. So first of all, he's talking about pathway soil, where the birds can come and eat up the seeds because there's no depth to the soil. Rocky soil, again, there's very little depth and no moisture, and so these seeds dry out immediately that the sun comes up and they shrivel in the heat of the sun. And other soil has thorns in it, and the thorns, the seed, uh, gets down, gets some roots, grows up, and yet the thorns come around it and pull at it and choke out the life from the good plants. And then there's the good soil that's full of nutrients, and, and the, the roots go deep down from the seed in there. And that produces a wonderful crop, not just a regular crop, but a crop that is 30, 60, and 100 times what might be expected from good soil. 
And Jesus is telling this story in uh, Capernaum where he has set up his base of ministry uh, just on the northern uh, shore of the Sea of Galilee. And um, N.T. Wright tells of a trip that he made to Israel and they went out to this place a little bit west of Capernaum. And the guide said, okay, you stand there. And it, it, it was kind of a concave kind of um, a, um, um, a, a place on the hillside. And the, evidently the guide had, uh, had, a, had a fisherman come with his boat. So he got into this boat, got a little bit offshore, picked up his Bible and read this particular parable. And N.T. Wright said it was absolutely amazing the clarity of what he heard. He could hear perfectly everything that this guide was saying from this. Jesus had found a perfect amphitheater to tell this parable in amongst land that they could see was giving forth uh, some growth. And so he's talking here about the sower being God, God is sowing the seeds, and the seed is the kingdom, is the good news of the kingdom of God that is broken in with Jesus himself. Jesus, both human and divine, who brings God into our humanity and brings with him God's ways, God's rule, God's reign into the kingdom of the world. Of course, when the kingdom breaks in, it brings both judgment and mercy. But Jesus has taken the brunt of the judgment on himself on the cross, as we heard in our opening hymn this morning. On him, all of our sins were laid. And, uh, and, and the judgment that was ours has fallen on him. In Paul's letter to the church in Rome, he writes it this way, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Our Adam humanity, our Adam life, our fallen, sin-riddled humanity, what Paul's call, Paul calls our fleshly selves, has been exchanged for sin-overcoming, death-overcoming, kingdom-living, Messiah humanity. We have taken on Christ's humanity. Our first Adam and the second Adam, we live within the life of the second Adam. Our mortal, corruptible, physical bodies in Christ have been made into spirit-filled physical bodies with a spirit prompting us how to live kingdom lives, how to live this new kingdom life that is ours. Depending on what the soil of our hearts is like will depend on the growth of that kingdom life within us. It will depend on the life of the plant that grows 
in that soil. And the disciples are, are not too sure what this parable means. In fact, there's a passage that was missing from the uh, scriptures in our reading today, and they're having this conversation, why, why do you always teach in parables? Because we don't understand what this means. And so we have, in today's reading, Jesus' explanation of these four different soils. He says the pathway soil are hard hearts. You know, when you've got dirt tracks that have been walked on over and over and over again, the ground is so compacted that it's as hard as concrete. There's nowhere for the seed to be sown. And remember, in those days, this was scatter sowing. I've seen uh, programs on British television because they did that in the Middle Ages in the UK as well. You'd have a pouch here with the seed and on every step they would throw the seed out onto the ground. And so the seed is being thrown out. Some of it is landing on this hard, compacted pathway soil. And he says, and the enemy comes and takes it away before it even has a time to get in. It has nowhere to go, in fact. There is no, uh, no freedom for it to get within the soil because it's too hard packed. These are like the Pharisees. He says they're hardened. Their hearts are hardened. They won't hear the message. They refuse to hear what God is doing in Jesus Christ. They are so sure that they know the way, that they know God's ways, that they're not open to hearing what Jesus has to say about the kingdom of God coming amongst them. And then the rocky ground soil are shallow hearts. The message is received initially, but the soil is not deep enough and rich enough for the seed to grow roots, to germinate and to sprout. Uh, there wasn't so much the prosperity gospel preached back in Jesus' day, but I think some of you might have heard of that term. It's that gospel that's preached that says the minute that you're a Christian, everything's going to be hunky-dory in your life. Um, I, I hope you know that that's just not true. It's not shown in the gospel. Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. He says, in this life you will have trouble, but do not fear, for I have overcome the world. And so these are the, this is the rocky soil where sometimes hardship comes and there's not enough root because there's not enough nutrients and depth in the soil to withstand the hard times. The faith roots haven't gone deep enough to withstand those times of trial and tribulation that come to us all in our Christian walk. John Stott says this, he says, Why should we expect our Christian life and service to be easy? The Bible never gives us any such expectation. Rather the reverse. The Bible says again and again, No cross, no crown. No rules, no wreath. No pains, no gains. It is this principle which took Christ through lowly birth and suffering death to his resurrection and his reign in heaven. It is this principle 
principle that brought Paul his chains in his prison cell in order that the elect might obtain salvation in Jesus Christ. It is this principle which makes the soldier willing to endure hardship, the athlete discipline, the farmer toil. Do not expect Christian service to be easy. And he says the thorny ground is thorny hearts. There are those hearts where the seed takes root and it's growing up, but then the cares of the world pull at it in every direction so that there's competition around it for its true growth. It gets pulled by wealth or possessions or power, and its focus is no longer solely on growing into the sun, but it's being choked out by all of the thorns and the things of the life and the world that come to it, and the focus no longer is just on kingdom life and, and getting those roots really far down. That is the thorny ground. Herman Bavink says this, the more abundantly the benefits of civilization come streaming our way, the emptier our life becomes. With all its wealth and power, it only shows that the human heart in which God has put eternity is so huge that all the world is too small to satisfy it. In other words, if we do get pulled by the competition of things in the world, even if we were to stuff the entire world into our hearts, our hearts have been made for one thing alone. Our hearts have been made for God and for eternity. And he alone perfectly fits in that place. And so in a thorny heart, uh, we're pulled uh, by those vines that are trying to strangle out the kingdom life within us. And then there's the good soil, the receptive heart that's open to hearing the message and therefore give an understanding that brings forth fruit. Jesus doesn't indicate what kind of a harvest this is in the life of the Christian in this particular parable, but we've heard earlier in Matthew, he's already stated that the fruit of a tree reveals its character. So good soil will produce the fullness of kingdom life in the seed that is sown there, which includes, of course, transformation into Christ's image and the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, fruit, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the full use of the gifts of the Spirit that we've been given by the Spirit for the increase of the kingdom life, coming to full burst and fruition in our lives, and the spread of the gospel message, the full harvest, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. God proclaims through his prophet Isaiah that his word that goes forth will not return to him empty. 
As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall God's word be. God's word will yield a harvest. We get to decide if it will be through the soil of our hearts or not. And just like a master gardener, we can make the soil of our hearts to be the good soil by being willing to dig deep into the packed down dirt of the pathway. Putting that fork deep down, using all of our strength on our feet to turn over that soil that has been so compacted by picking up each of the rocks that we find in the garden of our heart, in the soil of our heart, and by setting them aside so that the soil has a chance to get nutrients, to get all that it needs for growth. And we put those rocks to one side as a remembrance that when hard times come, there is one rock and one rock alone to which we may look for our strength and our salvation. And that rock is Jesus Christ. So we gather up all of the rocks. We dig over the hardened soil. And then like Bobby and Bev and the others in the garden, we go at those vines and those weeds. We pull them out. All of the distractions of life that take us away from our focus on God and God alone. And if it means digging up some things, unwinding the vines and then planting them back in again, that's what we must do with all of those things that vie for our attention in this world out there. Whether or not it's finances, it's wealth, it's possessions, it's power, whatever it is that pulls us away, that'll strangle out the kingdom life in this seed that has been planted, we have, we have to be drastic in getting rid of those vines, those weeds in the soil of our hearts. And then how do we bring nutrients into the soil to make it a good soil? Well, the greatest nutrient that we can put in the soil of our hearts is God's word. Is to be faithful in studying his word so that it seeps into the soil and that we know what it is to be a kingdom people because we're saturated with the word of God. To be constant in prayer so that we hear the word of God. To give full and strong life to this seed of the kingdom that is growing within us. That it shows forth and so that God will give the increase to the seed sown in that soil. Not just a regular harvest, but 30-fold, 60-fold, even a hundredfold. Maybe we be such gardeners of the soil of our hearts that we may have a nutrient-rich soil in which God's kingdom may grow and bring forth a harvest to his glory. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.